Foundations of the faith, you know, uh, how important is that? You know, Manny already talked about it. If the foundation is, is not good, then you're going to fall down. And so we see, well, at least I've seen many people come through here and, uh, you know, they're, they, they, they don't stand on solid ground. You know, because they don't have these foundations. So, it, it, you know, a lot of you guys have been Christians a long time. So sometimes we need to be reminded, need be, to be reminded of where we're standing and how we, if we stand on that foundation that's connected to the chief cornerstone, you know, in First in Peter, he calls us the living stones. And we've got to be connected to that cornerstone. And how do you get connected? By laying the foundation, you know. So that's that's Manny's heart to to get us to a place where we could stand, you know, when the storms come. Some of you, probably all of you, are going through trials, tribulations, you know. So we're going to talk about this this one portion, which is worship. I don't know where you're at, you know, where your worship uh, life is. For me. It's a major part. It's a major part. It, it might be at the top, you know, because uh, the, that's how I came to the Lord. I came to the Lord through a worship song. I had been religious my whole life, going to church every Sunday, you know, uh, very religious in the Catholic Church. But I didn't know the Lord. I knew there was a living God. I knew there was a God who created everything. But nobody ever told me you can have a relationship, a personal relationship. So I was at a place, and there were... They were playing this worship song, and I just closed my eyes, and I knew that Jesus himself came down and touched me that, that evening, and I'd never been the same. So that, that's why my testimony about worship, you know, I, I love it. I love it. I, I think uh, it's the greatest thing. I think it's the closest for me that I can get to, the, to heaven with God. It's kind of like a... Like, that's the closest I can get, you know. So there's a lot of things to the foundation, but just my personal uh, life is that is great. It's big. Uh, what, what do you guys think I was doing before I came out of my truck? <laughs> was worshiping the Lord, praying, you know. So I've been through a lot of difficult years, you know, through my life, and worship is, is what has brought me through it. So... We're going to be in a lot of different uh, scriptures just to share some things with you uh, that the Lord shared with me at first when Manny talked to Manny on the phone. And then uh, the war begins right after I hang up. And so uh, the first thing is, you know, I don't have nothing, Lord. I have nothing. And then after a day goes by, I got too much. So that's what the Lord does, you know. He, he, he's ready to be a fountain in our lives when we serve him. So I'm glad to be here. Uh, you know, the, the evening couldn't come sooner, right? Because then I started thinking too much, right? So uh, we're going to just share some scriptures with you. And, you know, talking about what worship is to us. In the, you know, and in, 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 do you notice that we had worship before the service, before the message, right? It's to prepare your hearts, to prepare your hearts. Because you come in here full of the world, full of things going on in your life and so god wants to us to prepare our hearts to hear the word so it could take root in your heart right so i don't know about you but when i'm worshiping i can't think of nothing else nothing else could, is allowed to come in so that's why we do that but it's not anything new 
It's not anything new. It's from all the way to the beginning, you know, worshiping God. You know, in, in the beginning, when after the, the flood, Noah, what did he do? He built a, an altar. He built an altar. In the Old Testament, they, they would sacrifice and they would offer sacrifices to God. That was the beginning of worship. And then later on, we're going to see that they brought in singing and instruments and all those things. And then we're going to be where we are today, where it's of the heart. So the first thing I wanted to share with you is that, you know, it is some scriptures from Second uh, Samuel Second Samuel 6, 5, just examples of uh, these verses in the Bible, these things that happened and where worship started, where it, where, how it was. So you see that it's, it's not really anything new compared to what we're doing today. We have instruments. We have singers. So it says, uh, then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments of fir wood, on harps on stringed instruments, on tambourines, and on sistrums, and on cymbals. So just to show, you know, whatever the gifts that God gives, you know, I can't play any instruments. I can't carry a tune, but you guys can't hear me over there. But these people have gifts, and they're sharing their gifts, like Manny was saying. How are the men going to find out what gifts they have? How, how will you find out your gift is by having fellowship with God, you know? So that's how you're going to know. So the, the, this was David in the house of Israel. They did kind of the same thing we did here, you know? So it, it's the thing about the heart. I want to turn to uh, First Chronicles, a couple verses from Chronicles. First Chronicles chapter 15. So some verses out of, out of this chapter. In verse 15, it says, And the children of the Levites bore the ark of God on their shoulders by its poles, as Moses had commanded according to the word of the Lord. Then David spoke to the leaders of the Levites to appoint their brethren to be singers, accompanied by instruments of music, string instruments, harps, cymbals, by raising the voice with a resounding joy. Now this is this is something they were carrying the ark correctly because in a previous chapter they didn't carry it correctly and God killed one of the gentlemen to show them that how he had show, told them how to carry the ark. So they're bringing the ark back and so if you go to verse 28 and 29 it says thus all Israel brought up the ark of the covenant of the Lord with a shouting and with the sound of the horn, and with trumpets, and with cymbals, making music, with string instruments, and harps. And it happened, as the ark of the covenant of the Lord came to the city of David, that Michal, the Saul's daughter, looked through the window and saw King David whirling and playing music, and she despised him in her heart. So interesting that, you know, they were worshiping, and David was worshiping and singing, I mean, dancing, and the, his wife despised him. There are people who despise what we do here, you know. But is it going to stop you? Did it stop David? No. Do, do we really care what other people think about us? No. 
We are in the presence of the living God when you're worshiping, like, like we say, the, an audience of one. You know, we, we often say that God, we ask God to inhabit our praises. And, and so what does that really mean? It means that we're asking God to live in our praises, to dwell there. So our praises have to be genuine. They have to be from the heart. So, you know, we, we don't have to be concerned what other people think. You know, probably people say, they, I know they say it about me, he's too much, he goes overboard, you know. But it doesn't matter. I'm not serving other people, I'm serving the Lord. So in verse 2 of chapter 16, it, I'm sorry, verse 1, it says, So they brought the ark of, the, of God and set it in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it, and they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before God. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings, the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. The, the God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you when you worship him. You know, the, he wants to touch your soul when you're worshiping him. You have to let him. You, you know, sometimes we're apprehensive. Henry always says, when the guys go to the mountain, I don't know what's wrong with them. Over there, they're lifting their hands. Over here, what's going on, gentlemen? You know, you're in the audience, the, the audience of the Lord. I always tell people when they pray, when they're maybe new or, or whatever, apprehensive, I say, don't, don't act like nobody's here, you know. You know, I, I was serving in the, in the Monday night prayer for, for quite a while. And uh, what, I don't know if they still do it, but we brought music in. To, to prepare our hearts to pray. We brought worship in. And, and, I, and I know, I noticed that people started just being more into the, you know, in the spirit. You know, it brings you into a spiritual place when you worship the Lord. So the next, uh, in Second Chronicles chapter 5. So in chapter 5, <clears throat> verse 12, it says, And the Levites who were, who were the singers of all those of Asaph and Heman and Jethuin and their sons and their brethren stood and at the east end of the altar, clothing in white instrument, I'm sorry, linen, having cymbals, stringed instruments, and harps, and with them 100 and twenty priests sounding trumpets. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeteers and the singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praise, to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, "For He is good; for His mercy endures forever." And the house that the house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud, so the priest could not continue ministering because the cloud, for the glory of the Lord, had filled the house. And when we worship the Lord, when we pray, we're asking God to come down and be, here, be with us here through his spirit. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I could feel the Holy Spirit in here. You know, I, I don't know why people lift their hands up, you know, what, why they do it. But I could tell you why I do it. Because I could feel the essence of God in, in his presence, you know. And, and so that's what I'm searching for every day. 
to have more of him and less of my flesh. To be, to be in his presence. You know, somebody comes in my house, I ask the Lord to, to touch my, my lips so I could speak to them. So here we see that glory came down, and that's what we're looking for. So the so in Ezra three ten it says when the builders when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord the priests stood in their apparel and trumpets and the Levites and the sons of Asaph with the symbols to praise the Lord according to the ordinance of David king of Israel so here we have Ezra after they came back to rebuild the temple he he has already got the the worship team according to the ordinance that King David had set forth. So they didn't forget when they went into exile for 70 years. They came back, and this Ezra guy, he was the guy who was putting these things in order. So, you know, there's order in the church. There's, there has to be order in the worship, right? God is not a God who has no order. He's not a God of chaos, right? That's the enemy who's the, the, the chaos and crazy stuff. But we have order in the church. So just wanted to bring that up because, you know, we worship with the order that God has given Manny here. And maybe some would not agree, but that's okay. Then you should go where someone, where you agree, you know. So, you know, if you, if, you, uh, if you get out of order, then you bring disruption to the body. And then we don't do that, right? So just wanted to, to touch on that. And Nehemiah, another... another uh, a gentleman who went back to rebuild the wall to lead the rebuilding of the wall in Jerusalem after the they were in uh, captivity it says Nehemiah 12:27 now at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem they sought out the levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness both with thanksgiving and singing and cymbals and stringed instruments and harps so so what do you, what do you what goes in your mind when you're worshiping the Lord? It, you know, it says right here, thanksgiving, thanksgiving. You know, he, he, is, he is worthy, right? And so they were thanking him for him had allowed them, brought him back into the land to rebuild the wall, rebuild the temple. So do you have anything to give thanks for? Everything, everything. We owe everything to the Lord. Everything belongs to him. You know, we, we, I owe him the breath in my lungs. It's his. So is he worthy of our praises? What do you guys think? I think you guys are, are, know that he's worthy, right? So in Revelation chapter 5. <clears throat> so you guys, do you guys think that they'll be uh, worshiping in heaven? All right, so... We need a practice, right? So, Revelation chapter 5 and, and verse uh, 2. It says, and, and I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne of the four living creatures, 
I'm sorry, of the throne and of the four living creatures. And in the midst of the elders stood the lamb as though he had been slain, having seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into the earth. And he came and took the scroll out of my hand of him who sat on the throne. And now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, which having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and you have redeemed us to God by your blood and out of every tribe and tongue and the people and nations and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. So, and if you go to verse 12, it says, Saying in a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power, riches, wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessings. He is worthy. He is worthy of our praise. You know, worthy. I, I, can't, I can't say that enough. I can't put that in my heart enough. Because we do unworthy things. You know, we sometimes live unworthy lives. But God, you know, he gave us his value. He gave us his righteousness. That, that's, that's a mystery that when God looks at you, he sees you as holy. So then we should try our best to be holy. To try. Not perfect because it's impossible. But try to be holy. It's, it's uh, you know, there's worship in heaven. So if we're worshiping God here and we're not living correctly, then something's wrong. Something's wrong. We're, 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 we're telling a lie to somebody, you know. So it, our heart has to be right towards God, you know. That's why when we're going to take communion, we got to get right with God before we take communion. So when you're going to be in the presence of God, we should always get right. Psalm 48, and the beginning part of Psalm 48 says, Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised in the city of our God and in his holy mountain. So here it talks, talks about in the city of our God and in his holy mountain. But in Christ today, where do we worship? Worship in your heart. You know, we come here and gather, but this is a building. You know, you see sometimes... People, when they pass a church, they do the sign of the cross, right? But it's just a building. It's just a building that we come to. You guys are the church. You guys come here, and you're the church. So, and we're allowed to worship in our heart anywhere. And God knows your heart, if your heart is right. If your heart is right towards him, or, or if you're just putting on a show. In Matthew 15, 8 and 9, it says, These people draw near to me with their mouth, and it, and honor me with their lips but their heart is far from me and in vain they worship me teaching as doctrines the commandments of men so we don't want to do that guys we want to worship him according to what he told the woman at the well i'll read out of john chapter 4 So if you guys know the story, he met the woman, this, this woman at the well who would go at, and at noontime to, to get water because she was an outcast. Sure. Yes, sir. And so, so then God looks for the, the, the outcast, right? He goes to the outcast. So 
they have a conversation. In chapter 4, verse 19 is the one, verse 19 is where I want to start. And the woman said to him, Sir, I, re I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. That is what God wants. He wants your heart, where the spirit of God is, and with your spirit to be together. And, and, and there's no other closeness for me. You know, my, my grandkids could tell you when we go through those car washes where you stay in the car. We put the worship on loud, and they know what to do. They, they know what Grandpa's going to do. He's going to raise his hands, and we're going to worship. You know, you know I, can't, I can't say that enough. You know, worship is the, the closest place for me to get to, to, to know the Lord. You know, if, if, if an anointed song comes out, you know, I remember uh, when 10,000 Reasons came out. I used to play it over and over in my, on my computer with my headphones on and, and, and because it's kind of like God's word. Do you get tired of God's word? No, it's new all the time. It's an amazing thing. You know, people who don't know the Lord, they must think we're crazy reading the same book all the time, you know. But this book is the living word of God. It's, it's the living word that is new. I mean, I, I, I might teach this a year later, and it'll be a little different because God will minister different out of his word. It, it is alive. So that's the same thing I feel when, when I'm worshiping the Lord. I feel closer, like I'm, a, I'm closer to him. And so I don't know if, if you guys can relate to that. But, uh, you know, that, that's where I can't get close enough. I want to get closer. So I would encourage you, you know, to uh, test God, you know, test God in, in that. And so, you know, so do we worship God when everything is cool, when everything is going okay? Is that a lot of people might do that, you know. What I found in my life that in the the darkest days that God has brought me to worship him. And, and, and it's something happens, you know. I can go through that storm a lot easier, you know. You, you know, the, the, this, is, this is something that maybe we struggle with. Like, hey, I'm not doing well. I, I don't want to worship. Test God on that. Test God. Worship him. Thank him when you're going through these trials and bad situations, man. You know, so... So I, I've tested God on that, and, and he's seen me through it stronger than any other time. So, you know, in Malachi, it talks about to test God, about giving, tithing. But in the context of worshiping, worship him when you're going through trials, man. And you'll see, you know, you'll see what God is. God, God doesn't get smaller. He's not lower or smaller when you, when you have a, a trial that you think, God is not big enough. 
for that. And all of you probably been through some or going through some. You know, God is the same. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't forget that. He's on his throne. He's sovereign over your life. He's calling us to trust him in these times. So, you know, in, in James it says, you know, that my brethren count it all joy when you fall into various trials. It's not easy to do, but if you start trying to worship the Lord when you're going through these heavy things, I, I believe that God's going to, he's going to do something in your life. So, uh, uh, an example of that in this Acts chapter 16. Uh, Acts chapter 16 is, you know, it, it, the part we're going to talk about is when, when uh, Paul and Silas were arrested. They were arrested because, you know, they had uh, cast out a demon of all things, out of a, a, a woman, a young lady who was, uh, had the spirit of divination. And her masters, who were making money, were angry. So they brought charges and they got thrown in prison and so you know they got put in prison and it wasn't like a nice prison they got put into the deepest part of the prison and so you know what would you do what would you do if you got put in jail you know so we're going to read about what they did and so in verse 22 it says and the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods and when they had laid many stripes on them they threw them into prison commanding the jailer to keep them securely having received such a charge he put them into an inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks but at midnight paul and silas were praying and singing hymns to god and the prisoners were listening to them so you see the attitude. You see they were put in the deepest part. And, and, and you, we kind of skip over the fact that their, their legs were tied up. Everything was tied up. The only thing that they didn't tie up was their tongue. And you need that to praise God, right? So they started praying and worshiping the Lord. So what happened? It says in verse 26, suddenly there was a great earthquake and so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone in, everyone's chains were loosened and the keeper of the prison awakened, awaking from sleep, seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Maybe you feel that way sometimes, like your life is not worth living. Start worshiping God. Start praying to the living God. And he'll turn you around. This man was about to take his own life. They put these guys in prison. And God shook the foundations of that jail, that prison, and opened the doors. But there was something that was going to happen to this man's life. If, you see, the devil wanted him to take his life. But God wanted to save his life. So the keep... So, uh, Verse 28, and Paul called with a loud voice saying, do not do yourself no harm for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and your household. You know, his, his family got saved, you know. So whatever you're going through, 
God has an answer for you. And it could begin with you praying and worshiping him. You know, he is worthy. It doesn't, it doesn't have, his worthiness, his, his worthiness has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with what I'm going through, whether I'm going through good times or bad times. He is worthy. So, you know, the, the people uh, marched around Jericho. You know, they didn't make any sense. And they, and they started blowing the horn and the trumpets and shouting. And then I, I would like to have been there to see their eyes when the walls came down. You know, imagine, you know, God could tear down walls that you don't think he could tear down. God could break down things that you, you think are impossible. Sometimes, sometimes I have to repent because I think that the things are too big for God. That the things are too much for him, you know. But he shows me that I'm a liar, you see. Because they're nothing too big for him. So, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he, he uh, you know, we have this. He talks about an earthen treasure that we have. And that is Jesus Christ. So, that's enough reason to rejoice. Enough reason to rejoice. So, in chapter, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 a few verses from that it says and we have these this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellent of power may be of God and not of us but we are hard pressed on every side yet not crushed we are perplexed but not despair persecuted but not forsaken struck down but not destroyed so you know the things that Paul went through but he didn't lose faith he didn't stop praying he didn't stop worshiping God you know so, so in the Old Testament, we have a lot of examples of the worship with the instruments, with the symbols and all of these things, you know. In the New Testament, not as much. We don't even have really any examples of Jesus worshiping, you know. But it doesn't mean he didn't. He was always in prayer. And part of prayer is worship. So your life is worship. The way you live your life for God is, is a form of worship. You see, you know, the in, in Colossians chapter 3, uh, 23, it, it says everything you do it as unto the Lord, heartily as unto the Lord. So if you're doing it as unto the Lord, then you are worshiping the Lord. You know, there's there's the worship that we do here, you know, w with the with the leading of the of the worship leaders. But your whole life is supposed to be a worship to God, you know, and so. There's two parts. There's that, but then there's the rest of your life. What if we only worshiped when we came here for 20 minutes? And that's it. Does God deserve more? Our lives, our dedication, you know, to, to serve him, that is worship. So, so in the New Testament, it leaves it kind of open like that because your whole life should be an offering to God, right? We, we, we have this one life that God has given us so we could, you know, give it for him or live it for ourselves, you know. You know, uh, I'm here serving God because I, I love the ministry. I love the ministry. My body is, is old now. It's getting tired. But it doesn't mean that I, that I don't love the ministry. I love the ministry. I, I can't wait to come and serve, you know. 
my day gets hectic, and then when I come and serve, man, I get peace right here with you guys. I receive the peace of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, in, in uh, Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So, you know, you still might be thinking, you know, what, what about when I go through dark days, you know? What about that? You know, when, when the story of Daniel going into the lion's den, you know, we're not told what he was doing in the lion's den. We're told what the king of the known world was doing. He couldn't sleep. He couldn't eat. He didn't want to hear any music because he liked Daniel. He was worried, you know. So he lost rest. Maybe he should have started worshiping God, huh? But you see, it doesn't tell us what, what happened in the den, but I could imagine that there was prayer in there. And, and those lions, they had to obey the creator God, you know, and Jesus came into to, uh, Jerusalem on, on the colt, and they were worshiping him. And the Pharisees said, no, tell them to stop. He said, if they don't do it, the stones will cry out. The creation, the creation that is not on two legs like us, they don't really have an option. They know the creator God. We're the ones that have the choice. The God gives you the choice. So what's are your choice, you know? God allows us to choose. So in, in, uh, in Psalm 95 is the last verses I want to read. It's, it's a psalm that I like. Psalm 95, verses 1 through uh, part of 7. It says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout and let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is great, is a great, is the great God and the great King above all gods. And in his hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his. He made it. And his hands formed the dry that land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. So it's a beautiful portion of that psalm, you know. And so, you know, one day everybody's going to bow down, you know. And every knee will bend and every tongue will confess that he is the Lord. But we have the privilege of doing it freely because we are his. We're the sheep of his pasture. So, you know, I just wanted, uh, I'm going to close with, a, with, a, with a, a, a story that I heard. I didn't know the, the background to this story uh, until I started teaching the Spanish study. And the first problem I ran into is I didn't have no music, no Spanish music and on my computer so it was it wasn't a problem getting it but I ran across this story uh, about how this song came about uh, I have decided to follow Jesus so maybe you know the story uh, hopefully I won't mess it up too bad uh, so so there's a, a village in India and this this guy came to the Lord him and his family 
And so the village leader, uh, they didn't like him coming to Christ. So they brought him in the town square, the village square, and, and they threatened him. They told him, if you don't stop following Jesus, we're going to kill you. We're going to kill your family. And so he, previous to this incident, had, had written a song. That's the, 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 the way I heard the story, that he wrote that song, I've Decided to Follow Jesus. And so they brought his children in front of him, and they said, if you don't renounce Jesus, we're going to kill your kids. So he didn't know what to do. So he started singing the song, I have decided to follow Jesus. And then they killed his children. You know, and then he brought his wife in front. And they said, if you don't stop, we're going to kill your wife. So he started singing that song. You know, though none go with me, still I will follow. And they killed his wife. And then they said, now we're going to kill you. If you don't stop, we're going to kill you. So they killed him. They killed him. But the village leader saw his faith. And that village leader, the chief, came to the Lord because of that man's faith. And the whole village came to the Lord. So maybe you think that you're going through real bad stuff, man. When God is watching, and God is going to turn it into good. He's going to turn it into good for those who are with him, who are called and, and walk according to his purpose. God is going to do that. You know, God is going to, he makes promises and he's not a man like me that he would lie. And he's not the son of man that he would relent on his promises. You just got to hold on, hold on to the promise. So, you know, that that's uh, the Bible study guys. And, uh, you know, it, it just to encourage you, you know, to, to, uh, Man, we have this great privilege. And, and I look at it like, hey, this is, this is just rehearsal. Today they had a rehearsal at the school for my grandkids for Beauty and the Beast. And uh, my grandkids are in it. I don't know how, which one's the Beast, which one's Beauty. But, <laughs> but anyway, they had a rehearsal. So it's kind of like we're rehearsing for when we get in the presence of, uh, fully in the presence of God. So, you know, I, I would say... Just let it go. Let it go, man. Don't hold back, you know. Because if you do, you're missing out on the blessings of God. You know, you know you're by yourself. There's nobody looking, nobody watching.